Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. And I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, kids who have had a loss uh, and it, with everything that's going on in the world right now, there's really a lot of complications of grief for kids. And we're going to be talking today with an expert on that topic. Would you like to introduce them, Heidi? Sure, I'd love to. So today we're going to talk with Dr. Tony Shepard. He is a psychologist in private practice. Several months ago, his mother died. And he has written a book called Group Psychotherapy with Children. He teaches at local, state, and national levels, and Spalding University gave him the Alumni of the Year Award in 2018. So I'm looking forward to talking to him more about children and the complications of grief. Welcome to the show, Tony. Thank you. Great to be here. Hi. It's wonderful to have you on it. And what a challenging time right now for parents and for kids uh, with the things with the COVID and all that's going on. And uh, if kids have had a loss and then they've got it compounded on top of this, it's pretty traumatic, isn't it? It is, it is. And I tell you, the thing that I've seen over, since we started this uh, pandemic journey together in March, I've seen a, a gradual um, growing isolation mm -hmm. among young people, you know, in a lot of uh, areas, including uh, where I am, uh, school is virtual. Uh, kids don't leave their beds. Yeah. We have teenagers who do school, group, uh, individual therapy, all their activities from bed. Yeah. And if they've had a loss, um, it gives them more time to sit and dwell on that loss. We are facing a, a really serious challenge here uh, in helping our youth right now. with Tony, Tony, I can very much identify with what you're saying on a personal level. And my mind is going into, you know, thoughts about what's going on in my own home. My 15-year-old daughter lost her beloved grandfather four weeks ago, mm -hmm. and she's virtual, and she does not get out of her bed, like yep. you said, for school. I mean, I'll wake her up, and 20 minutes later, she rolls over, puts her sweatshirt hood over her, you know, hoodie on, and turns on the webcam. Absolutely. And everything about school, she's grieving the loss of her grandfather. She has a lot of time to think about it. Yep. So she's very sad. And then she, all the things that distracted her, chorus, being on the soccer team, going, you know, being at lunch with her friends, walking around New York City, all of that is gone. Yep. So you've got the academic piece and then the grief piece. And you know, Heidi, one of the things that we say to people when they experience a loss is get back into your routines, uh, you know, live your life. And when those are gone, uh, the person is at a loss. And we as parents and, and helpers and caregivers are, are equally at a loss. We can't tell our clients necessarily to go have coffee with a friend or go get an ice cream with your, your beloved aunt, um, things like this uh, that, are, that are really lost. So we lose a, a, a huge set of coping skills that we would normally recommend for people. So what are you recommending now for coping skills? Well, 
Um, you know, I, I'm, it, it, some, to some extent, it depends on the individual and what they do. You know, I'm recommending uh, something that I've done in my own life. Uh, Heidi I, and Gloria, I lost my mother uh, on September 22nd of this year. Uh, my mom passed away. And, you know, I'm doing Zoom, Zoom meetings with people. Mm -hmm. So get out of bed, uh, go to the kitchen table or the living room or the desk in your room and uh, engage with people virtually. You know, uh, with a lot of kids, I think, uh, ironically, the thing that we recommend having more control over in normal times, like video games and FaceTime and chatting and things like that, we're recommending that parents not take phones away as a punishment. Mm -hmm. because it's their their link to the outside world yeah so it's really flipped a lot of things uh over um you know until recently uh when the weather took a turn uh i was recommending that kids get out mm -hmm. you know get out go to the park uh walk to walk to the coffee shop grab a coffee walk to walk to the coffee shop grab a hot chocolate go get ice cream Maybe you can't do those things with people and actually sit in the place and drink it, but you can take a walk. Hmm. You know, even now, uh, bundle up, you know, and get out. Walks yeah. are really important, I think, after loss. Yeah. Moving your body, moving the, the trauma and the grief, you know, and just getting up and doing something. Yeah. Like you said, these kids have nowhere to go anymore. They have no place to be except for online. Right. Right. Well, yeah. honey, just got a dog. I did. I got a puppy and I had COVID in, in, on March 14th and my daughter was very anxious about it. Mm -hmm. And there was just so much going on, as you know, this last year that I decided to get a puppy. I never thought I'd get a puppy. I got a puppy for her and it's been invaluable. On the days where she has a hard time wanting to go to school, she puts the puppy on the bed and keeps it there. And it's easier for her to, to be engaged in school. Absolutely. He has the dog next door. So it's, it's been a good thing, believe it or not. The two of you know, I believe that I am a group therapist. I do groups with kids and teens. And I tell you, one of the most touching uh, moments in group uh, during COVID, we're all on Zoom. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a young lady who lost her father mm -hmm. about six years ago. And her grief always comes up around the holidays. And this was shortly before Thanksgiving. Um, her dogs are always next to her on the bed when she's doing group. And she looked at the screen and she said, oh my gosh, do you guys hear that? Her dog was snoring. <laughs> and we all sat in the group and just listened to, and uh, listened to her dog snore and agreed how marvelous and, and relaxing that was. Mm -hmm to listen to the dog snore. So finding those small, those little things in life that we relish. Um, and, and it was so neat what, sitting with a group of teenagers listening to a dog snore. I love that. So I, I would imagine that the reason the group is so powerful is because teens can hear from other teens and they don't, they feel like their own experience is normal. Absolutely, absolutely. And how do you get teens to open up on these in these groups? How do you get them to communicate or do they just naturally do it? Well, it depends. Some naturally do. I think some, uh, just like we know there are differences in personalities with adults, uh, you have differences in personalities. Some teens come in uh, ready to go right off the bat. 
uh, others need, uh, you know, need to build trust. And I think that um, one, one big thing that group therapists talk about is trust, mm -hmm. establishing trust in the group. Uh, I think it's important for me to present myself as a trusted adult and someone who is not going to tell their parents everything that they tell me and that I'm able to uh, validate their experience of life. Um, I think a lot of times kids and teenagers get invalidated in their lives. Mm -hmm. So I think creating that environment of trust and safety and security is really important. Um, it's always important too to have some kids in the group. We, our groups are ongoing. So we always have senior members who have been in the group for a while that then become the, the models for the newer kids. Now, I want to ask you, it sounds like you may be getting kids from all over the United States now with Zoom. Well, we currently, um, we currently are focused in, in the two states uh, where, where we are and where I'm licensed, Indiana and Kentucky. Uh, but we, you know, that's something that's opening up. I'm now uh, um, approved or registered to do telehealth in the state of Florida. Mm. So we, we could potentially start to draw kids from other other states as, as that opens up. I'm just thinking uh, as a parent that are listening to this that it may be easier to get kids in group online. Yeah. I think so. And we've invested in some technology that will allow us going forward to do hybrid groups where uh, some people are in the room and others are joining us remotely. Because it's not always easy to get kids into group. It's not. It's not. So I want to ask you this. I know parents are wondering how, you know, a, a lot of kids are distressed right now. How do I know? So what are some of the signs that my kid really does need help beyond the family? Yeah. You know, I, I, I have a general rule because of my role as a psychologist. Uh, friends and family and neighbors come to me and say, you know, this is going on. This is going on. Uh, should I see somebody? And, and, and one of my general rules is if you thought about it enough to come and ask me, then you probably should see somebody. Um, and I'm not trying to be uh, snarky or sarcastic with that. Uh, I do tend, I, I think that, that parents tend to err on the side of waiting too long mm -hmm. to seek professional help. So, you know, if as a parent you feel in over your head, um, it's not because you're a bad parent. It's not because you don't know what you're doing. It, it may very well be because you need an objective person to help out. Uh, so I think, you know, obvious things like uh, isolating, you know, kids who aren't getting out of bed uh, for anything, you know, they're not, uh, they're, they'll go get food and they'll come back and get in their bed. Um, you know, that's a problem. That's a problem. Kids need to be trying to get some physical exercise. Uh, you know, withdrawing socially, um, anger and irritability. You know, if you're, again, if you're struggling to manage whatever is going on with your child, then get a consult. You know, the worst thing that's going to happen is the professional is going to say, gee, I think this is normal. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, so I, I, that's something that I really... Uh, really tell parents that uh, help nowadays is typically accessible enough that you have little to lose by, by getting a consult with a professional. 
Mm-hmm. Well, what if, what if my husband and I differ on the fact that uh, our child needs help? Maybe he thinks they do and I don't, or I think they do and he doesn't. How do how do you handle that? That's a tough that's a tough issue. Uh, I have worked with kids where uh, parents differ. Um, I think that you know I I have often said you know let's let's try this. Uh, have dad call me. You know, have dad contact me, and I'd like to hear, as a professional, you know, I'd like to hear his reservations uh, and talk with him about that. You know, um, I think that it's important, uh, you know, to recognize that some parents worry about stigma still. You know, they worry about stigmatizing their child mm-hmm. by taking them to get help. Um, I think we're, you know, generally past those days where that's going to come back to haunt someone. Uh, I think we've, we've made progress in that regard. So I think it's important to, uh, you know, also there are uh, resources online that help parents to better understand. I think sometimes the reluctance is a misunderstanding of what's actually gonna happen. I, I also hear a lot of people, Tony, that say, I can't get my teenager to go to therapy. Yep. So are there any advice for those people on how do you get a teen to go and what happens if they refuse? Yeah, it's, it, it's tough. You know, I, I have a policy that I will, I will do part of the intake with the parent mm-hmm. to strategize, to get more information and then strategize with them about uh, how to engage the child. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think uh, for professionals, um, you know, we have to be flexible in realizing that um, kids might have some of the same reservations as parents uh, about stigma and about these types of things and how do we address those. You know, um, I've done intakes in, in many vans. I think that, you know, I'm okay with parents uh, saying, hey, would you be willing to meet with Dr. Shepard, um, you know, twice? Mm. And uh, that buys me some time as a, as a clinician to engage with the child and try to, um, get their buy-in. Well, that's what I'm thinking, Tony. If somebody, I think that sometimes kids think of adults as an extension, maybe of a punitive parent or a punitive teacher, and they might not know that Tony is someone that's an advocate for them that's gonna validate them. And meeting with you once, I think I can tell by the way I'm talking to you now, I think they would be put at ease and be like, oh, wait a minute, we actually like this. We're, we're feeling heard, we're feeling acknowledged, we're feeling validated, you know? I mean, so I think getting them to see you once would definitely be beneficial because I can see a lot of teenagers going, okay, this guy's cool, I wanna come back, you know? It's he, a, it's an, absolutely, it's an opportunity for us to, to uh, dispel some of the myths around what a, what a, uh, a therapist is, you know? Right. And that's one of my goals is to have them come away not feeling like they've been in a in a cold, uh, clinical, uh, punitive type setting, but in a setting that that validates them right. and normalizes what they're going through. Now I'm listening to you, and I don't live in your state. And Heidi, I know you practice in New York, and you know, um, how do I find somebody? What are your recommendations? You know, I I think that. Um, I think that uh, a website says a lot about a professional. Uh, I think that you can learn a lot about somebody by their website. Uh, I know that we try to put uh, 
ourselves and in my practice into our website. Uh, things like Psychology Today profiles, uh, you can really learn a lot about a person. Uh, I would say, you know, look at their picture, uh, read about them, you know, on their About Me page. Uh, notice how they present themselves, you know, and um, I think that particularly with kids and teenagers, um, you know, there's, there's some interesting research that shows that children and teenagers who know more about their therapist have better outcomes. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. So children and teenagers who know more about their therapists have better outcomes. Yeah, that okay. they know they know my favorite uh, food. Mm -hmm. They they know what what I like to watch, what movies I like to watch. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not saying that I should reveal everything so, about. So them. it makes you more of just a person, a human person, a rather than some doctor that's you know what you are, which is ten degrees above and can't relate to them. Exactly. It's more relatable. That, that makes so, sense. So as a parent, when you're, when you're investigating therapists, uh, particularly child and adolescent therapists, uh, check them out. Yeah. Google mm -hmm. them. Go to their, go to their website. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, you know, I don't want to say that, that I don't mean to imply that people who don't have websites aren't good therapists. But um, I, I do feel like that's one way that in, in today's world that we get to know people. Yeah. And I think more and more people are... Uh, now have websites. Mm -hmm. Now give us your website. As a matter of fact, you got a great website, and you got some good advice on there too. Yeah, I have some things for, for a little bit of uh, something for everybody. Uh, okay. My website is www.groupworksky.com. Okay. We have well, resources for grief. We have resources for suicide and self harm prevention. Uh -huh. uh, all kinds of things on there. Yeah, now give that to me again. Groupworksky.com. KY, okay. Yep. yep. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Tony. It was really great and very enlightening. Good. Really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Tony. And thank you for all the good work you're doing with teens and children today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Needed. And thanks, everybody, for joining us today. And Heidi and I always want to remind you that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own. And God bless. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation, where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.